Hi, everyone. Welcome to Arthritis at Home. I'm so happy to see you again. My name is Cheryl Cohen. I'm with Arthritis Consumer Experts, and we are the host of Arthritis at Home. It gives me incredible pleasure, as it always does, um, to be joining you today uh, with Dr. Susan uh, Bartlett. Hello, Doc. Hi, Cheryl. Lovely to join you. Dr. Bartlett uh, is a professor of medicine at McGill University and an adjunct professor of medicine at Johns Hopkins Medicine. Uh, you're originally from London, Ontario, and you completed your master's in psychology at McGill and a PhD in clinical uh, psychology at Syracuse University and a postdoctoral studies at Johns Hopkins. And then you now are working in rheumatology and clinical epidemiology and you are a rare breed actually in rheumatology and that um, you're one of few with a PhD in psychology that practices in the area of rheumatology. Uh, we're here to talk to you today uh, Dr. Bartlett about some work that you recently presented at the American College of Rheumatology. It's very topical, uh, obviously very timely because now of a new arrival of a new variant in the COVID uh, pandemic uh, called Omicron. Um, and in the posters that you, in the abstracts you recently presented, you looked at US data um, on the effects of the pandemic in the very first few months. So it takes time to gather data, it takes time to analyze data, it takes time to report out. So that's why we're sort of backtracking and looking at the first few months. Um, and in Canada, you looked at waves one and two. So we want to know what you learned and what's now happening in four and five. How's that to cut to the chase conversation? Okay. So over, over to you. Well, Cheryl, as you know, depression and anxiety are common in people with rheumatic diseases. Yeah. Same pathways that are associated with inflammation also are associated with depression and anxiety. So it's not surprising. And anywhere from 30 to 60% of people will have periods of emotional distress, uh, people with rheumatic diseases. It depends a little bit by, on the disease and where you are in the disease course, but it, it, there's probably none of your viewers who haven't experienced some of this. Yeah. Um, people with rheumatic diseases also have been particularly vulnerable at, during the pandemic because they're at increased risk of infection and hospitalization. Um, their access to medications has changed a lot, especially in Canada, and especially when things like hydroxychloroquine was viewed as a potential way to deal with COVID. Um, people have had very limited opportunities to see their rheumatologists in the office as well. So we thought that early in the pandemic, emotional distress would probably increase in patients, especially anxiety, and that this might in fact be associated with worse symptoms and worse disease activity because we know that emotions can stimulate disease activity. That knowledge has been around for about 30 years. So the first um, poster that uh, I presented at ACR were the results from patients who were seen in the rheumatic disease clinics at Johns Hopkins. Now these were patients seen from mid-March through June of 2020 and at every visit we administer the PROMISE 29 questionnaire and the PROMISE 29 questionnaire has seven domains that asks about things like pain and fatigue, um, participation, physical function, and it's asked as part of routine care. So every visit people are completing this questionnaire, it takes them maybe two to three minutes to do. Yeah. 
We were able to look at their scores during the initial months of the pandemic and compare them with their scores for up to 18 months before the pandemic so that we could see if there was a rise. And the first thing that we found was, honestly, a huge shock. When we looked at the mean changes in scores, so the average change in scores, we found that they were really trivial, less than one point, and we thought, how can this be? Yeah. How can it be? Because I'd been talking with patients uh, throughout the pandemic, and I heard a lot of variability, but I did hear different things. So, for instance, I would hear from some patients who were very, very frightened to leave their home. Yeah. Frightened to take their medications, didn't know whether they should take them or not. I also heard from patients who were very relieved to not have to go into work. And they would say things like, you know, it's cut, in some instances, three hours of commuting out of my day. Yeah. It means when I'm having a day where I don't feel as well, I don't have to fake it. I don't have to make small talk in the, the hall. So with that in mind, we started to look more carefully. And we looked at anxiety at the individual level. We found that 57% of people said their anxiety had changed. 30% were worse. 27% were better. Mm. And so when you take the worse and you lump them in with the better, on average, you find no change. Yeah. We, we looked further, though. If your anxiety was worse, so was your depression, your sleep. Um, if your anxiety was better, a lot of other things got better, too. Your mood, your fatigue your sleep and your participation so anxiety really was changing it was changing in big ways it was changing um by a lot a standard yeah. deviation um for those of you who are familiar with statistics uh but on average about nine points or so and then when we looked at disease activity we also saw that if your anxiety was worse your disease activity was much more likely to be worse and if your anxiety was better so were your perceptions of your disease activity. Isn't that amazing? What great I, What I felt was most important about this work yeah. was understanding the changes, but also really alerting my colleagues to the fact that we need to stop looking at mean or average change because of exactly the situation. No, we, no people, book has the same cover and no book has the same content, clearly. Right. Right. Yeah. So it, it really is much more about understanding what's happening to that person and making decisions, especially for decision makers, um, taking into account that some may be get better and some may be getting worse. And uh, we know, need to be more know, careful and thoughtful about how we look at statistics. You know, when I'm listening to you talk, Dr. Bartlett, it makes, it reminds me of that conversation I recently had with someone who was talking about precision medicine. I think most people out in the public think of precision medicine as a pill and knowing which pill to give the right. But what you're talking about is precision medicine as well. It's about the psycho-emotional aspects of disease and, and how you tailor a particular solution that is not related to a medicine right. uh, and, and actually helping the person have less anxiety or reinforcing the things that are keeping them in a low anxiety state. Uh, so I think this is just incredible work. And, and I, I think this whole idea about getting away from the average and treating the person really is about, it's part of the precision medicine uh, movement, if you will. 
I think you put it beautifully, Cheryl. And I would also say for patients, don't feel badly about taking the time to talk with your rheumatologist and let them know what's happening in your life because they have to know that. To put context to what they're seeing in you, they need to understand. Have you been more affected by the pandemic? Have things actually been better? Yeah. Are there things going in, on in your life that are making your disease more active? All of this is really important. And policymakers, we need to be paying for time for patients and rheumatologists just to talk. Because we, we, we have stripped out all of that time to get to know the patient yeah. in an effort to be as efficient as possible. When you look at wave four and five, I hate to even have to say the wave five, but I think that's probably where we're at, if I'm not mistaken. Um, what's what's the difference between what you've just reported out on and this pre-pandemic scores in promise that we're using the promise measures and these first few months and these differences that you were seeing when you looked at individuals, not the aggregate. How does that compare to the now, if you can? So in, in the second of the posters was the Canadian data and the Canadian yeah. data looked at wave one and wave two. And we actually found that things got a bit better in wave two. Okay. Um, the uh, the increase in anxiety and depression wasn't quite as high, um, and it resolved perhaps a little bit more quickly. I think that we are long past that, though. My own experience in working with patients and my with my colleagues and in my own life is that wave four has really knocked the stuffing out of all of us. Mm. We I don't think we were prepared for wave four. We were we psychologically we needed things to get better wave four this fall i have seen so many students in distress so many patients in distress so many colleagues in distress and now i think we're looking at wave five that's what the epidemiologists tell us we better be prepared for um another big another big dump of cases then yeah we are really really tired of all of this we are cranky we have burned through the resilience that we had. Um, we're, they had talked about a mental health pandemic. Yeah. After waves one and two, we're in. Now we're experiencing the twindemic, the mental health pandemic and the COVID pandemic. Oh, very interesting. And I think that wave four um, from the grassroots, from what we're hearing, uh, Dr. Bartlett, people had an expectation it was going to get a lot better. Yes. And then Delta came along and, uh, and, and our expectations were not met. And I started to think, you know what, that's actually what life with rheumatoid arthritis is like. I've had expectations for disease improvement. This is before therapies got better. Yes. And every time I took a new one, I thought, okay, this is going to be it, right? Right. Or this or this physiotherapy session or this new new trick is going to do the job and it never did and i got used to and this i know you see in your research work lowering my expectations that the bar just got so low that there my quality of life just got lower and lower and lower and then with new therapies, obviously, we could start to ratchet those expectations for therapy outcomes up again. And so the Promise in RA has been, I think, really fantastic over the last two decades. 
Um, but I kind of, the, so I'm, I'm just drawing a parallel between what happens in RA and what happens in pandemic. It's not that different. Well, if there um, is some good news, and, yeah. and let's try and find a, a good note to end on. Good, I love that. You know, through the work of Katie Anderson and others, and I know you're hoping to have her on your session. She's going to well. be on, yeah. We've really learned that people who are on immunosuppressive agents do not have worse outcomes in terms of hospitalization, in terms of death. So that's reassuring. Although you're on these very, very powerful drugs, um, if anything, uh, you're at no greater risk. You might actually have some, some of the drugs seem to be associated with some protective protection yeah. as well. So, so um, that's one important thing that's come off of the table. People with RA and other rheumatic diseases are really experts at self-management, knowing what they need to do to take care of themselves. You need to use every one of those skills right now and put them into practice because yeah. it has never been more important for you to, to take care of yourself mentally and physically as we find our way through the next couple of months. Well, there you heard it, folks. Right from Dr. Bartlett, a world authority on these topics. We couldn't be happier to have had you on. Dr. Bartlett, thank you so much for joining us. We know you've got to rush off to your next uh, your next meeting. And um, we thank you so much. And we wish you the very best over the holidays. Thank you. Same to you and to, to all of the viewers who are watching today. And may we all have a much easier 2022. <laughs> exactly. That's a good way to end. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.